Yes, our reading this morning comes from John's Gospel, chapter 3. And if you would like to follow it in the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 1066. John's Gospel, chapter 3, and beginning to read at verse 22. Jesus has just been talking with Nicodemus, who came to him by night. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptised. Now John also was baptising at Eon near Salem, because there was plenty of water, and people were constantly coming to be baptised. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I might hear your voice. Open our ears to all that is from you, and may what is of me fall to the ground. Amen. Do you ever get confused by other people's responses to things? A bit like now, when most of you are going, (laughs) and I've asked you a question. (laughs) Do you get confused? I was talking with Somebody I consider a friend, uh, we, we have very similar um, theology, we do lots of similar things, and we were talking about Harry and Meghan, and I went, blah, 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 and he went, 
Oh no, what are we talking about? And I just thought, oh, I wasn't expecting that from you. I won't tell you exactly where each of us were, but let's say one of us was in the Daily Mail and the other one wasn't. And you could probably work that one out quite quickly. (laughs) But I was really surprised. I was just, you know, I just was not expecting his response. Because he has a different perspective on that issue. And so often, we have a different perspective on things. I said to the 8 o'clock this morning, I said to them, how amazing it is that the words, those 16th century words, 17th century words, Shakespearean words, you know, for, for most of us, and us included here, it's like, what? But for them, it's a, a genuine, full expression of their faith. And I said to them, but would you expect me to take the liturgy and use it at the beacon? And they just laughed. I said, well, would you expect me to bring some modern songs and use them here? And they just panicked. (laughs) I said, but which one is a genuine act of worship? Both. Sometimes we've got to get the perspective that what we're seeing isn't the whole truth and what we're seeing isn't the whole picture. I once had a lady um, in my previous church who came up to me after a service and just started to shout at me. Now, I know I could do provoking things, but she just... I'm thinking... And part of me went, right then... <laughs> But another part of me went, what's going on? So I let her blow for a while. I noticed my church warden standing quite close, bless him, because he was protecting me, which was it's interesting, because you you know, we need protecting sometimes, because what people's perception of what you've done is can turn into an accusation, which can then turn into something quite nasty. A friend of mine is trying to be ousted by his church at the moment because they don't like X, Y, and Z. He's not done X, Y, and Z. He's done A, B, and C. But the loud voices in his congregation have heard X, Y, and Z, and they're not not for listening to anything else. And he's having a really tough time, primarily because he's preaching the gospel, bless him. Um, Anyway, sorry, little side one there. What was I saying? This lady, uh, shouting at me. And in the end, oh, she's gone to glory now, so... um, I can I can use her name with impunity because she's and her son lives in New Zealand, so it's okay. Uh, and in the end, I just said, "Bonnie, what's wrong?" She looked at me. She said, "I've been diagnosed with leukemia." Burst into tears and fell into my arms. Now, she was angry with what was going on. She was angry with the situation she was facing, and actually, there was a lot of stored up anger. Over a whole, well, partly because her son lived in New Zealand, an only child. There was a whole load of stuff in there. And of course, I was in the firing line and had said something that had just pushed her slightly. And, <coughs> you know, now I could have reacted seeing what, what I was seeing was somebody being horrible to me. And they, and she was being horrible. So my church wasn't said to me, that wasn't nice that came at you. I said, 
Yeah, but actually there was a bigger picture. There's more behind it. It's not always easy not to react, though, when, when it hurts and when it's horrible. And I understand that. In this passage, you see an interaction between John and his followers, his disciples. Where his disciples act like you and me. The way we do act. And John acts the way perhaps we should act. And Jesus isn't actually active in this passage. But he's talked about. So at the beginning, you see John and his disciples going, doing what they do. There's two phrases in the, in the passage that I just think are hilarious. One, this was before John was uh, imprisoned. Really? Clearly, because he's not in prison. It's like, okay, but that's fine. And the other one was, he was doing it at this place because there was a lot of water there. You know, this place wasn't a special place. This place, there was just a lot of water there. And sometimes, excuse the phrase, we get our knickers in a twist trying to make sure we're doing the right thing at the right time in the right place. Where actually sometimes we just need to go to the place where there's a lot of water. Just where it makes sense. There by the by. You get his disciples coming up to him going, and his disciples show how easy it is to be offended. Have you ever been offended by anybody in this room? Why are you all looking at me? <laughs> Have I ever been offended by anybody in this room? Why am I looking at you? <laughs> exactly. But it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to get offended. Because we hear stuff through our filters. When I used to be a school teacher, actually even still now, Wendy will say to me, don't talk to me like one of your pupils. I'm not. Because I don't talk to my pupils like that. You know? Or the other one. I'm being open and honest here. Why have you got so much patience with everybody else in the congregation and not with me? Ever have that in marriage? You know? So we easily get offended. And we get offended, those closest to us, we get offended with much more easily, actually. Oh, you should know better. You shouldn't. Blah, 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 blah. But we can get offended. And here are John the Baptist's disciples. They are clearly displaying deep offence. It's what I would call a religious spirit because they've been challenged and they are offended and they want everything done just right. So this religious... A Jewish man has come up to them. Why call him a Jewish man? Aren't they all Jewish men? Clearly what we're talking about here is a religious person and the writer is trying to... It wasn't just a man. From, from It was a Jew. It was somebody who was... Obviously could be described as outwardly religious. You could see that he was uh, proclaiming the Jewish faith. And this guy's come up to them. And I don't know if you remember Harry Enfield character from 20 years ago. If you don't know what I'm talking about. But this guy's come up to them and gone, Oh, you don't want to do it like that. You want to do it like this. You're doing it wrong. You should be doing it like... None of you recognise the character. You, you do a little bit, do you? you can, thank you, Carol. I'll pay you later. Um, and 
they're clearly offended. Because they, this guy's come up to them and questioned them about ceremonial washing. Because there was ceremonial washing in the Jewish faith, getting to the synagogue, blah, blah, blah. And here's John baptizing in the river, and doing, but it's not in the right place. And, well, and clearly the disciples, not the disciples, John's disciples are a bit umpy about this. Because they go back to John and tell him about all the argument they've had with this Jewish man. Look at the scriptures. That's what they do, don't they? They go back and say, this guy's been moaning at us. What does it actually say? Somebody's reading it. Who's got it? Come on, James. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who is with you on the other side of the Jordan. Hang on. They're not talking about the Jewish man who's just talked to them about ceremonial washing that John's pointed out, the, the writer's pointing out to us. They're actually moaning about Jesus. They're doing exactly what that, what Bonnie did to me. They're not moaning about what's underneath. Well, what's happened is this ceremonial washing man has provoked them and they're actually unburdening to John what they're actually offended by. And what they're offended about is that Jesus is nicking their trade. Sorry, little paraphrase there, if that's all right. But it is. He's doing what they're doing. Probably doing it better. And he's getting crowds. And will that mean we lose our crowd? And does that... What's he doing? You know the guy you were telling us about Jesus? Well, he's baptising people. Not said, but underneath. And that's our job. He's, you, he's taking your place. I mean, how do we feel when one of the churches around here grows? How do we feel? I know what I feel. I go, fantastic. Because it's not about the churches. You know, it's about not what a church does. It's the fact that we are together the church. Irrespective of... Um, Denomination, sorry, word wouldn't come to head there. Uh, in respect of a denomination or, ge- or location or whatever. You know, if St Andrew's Trolleywood is growing, fantastic. If King's Church Chesham is growing, fantastic. I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Plenty of room in the kingdom for all sorts. I mean, just look at St Leonard's. And, you know, does it matter? But it matters to these guys. They're worried. And I've seen it happen too often. I don't want it to happen to us. That if somebody, somebody else is blessed and they grow, we, we start defending and all oh, close ranks. We mustn't lose. You know what? It's okay. And I hope they would bless us the same way if we're growing. Most of the churches I've mentioned there, their leadership would. Absolutely. Because we want to see kingdom come. We don't want to see St. Leonard's grow. We want to see kingdom come. We want to see the king. Well, do you know what? We want to see St. Leonard's grow within that just because we want to see that whatever churches are meeting grow. I don't want us to be renewed. I want this place to be revived. All of it. It's only the church that gets renewed. It's the community that gets revived because you've got to be dead to be revived. 
And hopefully the church isn't. That's the plan. You get renewed. You get brought back to a... Where revival is about bringing new people in. Seeing it happen. That guy on the other side of the Jordan. The one you told us about. He's baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this John replied, thank you for catching up with me. To this John replied, a man can only receive what's given him from heaven. You yourself can testify. I said, I am not the Christ and I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. John gets the right perspective. When, the, when his disciples are offended and manifesting this religious spirit, I've got to control it, it's got to be our way, John basically turns around and says, get over yourselves. Another paraphrase. Get over yourselves. I can only tell you what I know. Jesus is coming and he knows more. He's the next step. I'm here to prepare the way. He is the Messiah. He is Christ. I can only give you what I have. He gives you the fuller picture. Get the perspective right. Stop worrying about what's happening with you. See what God is doing. And get on with it. The the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. Alex and Rosie's wedding a few weeks, a few months ago. Was I sad I was losing a son? No, I was overjoyed that our family was getting bigger. Absolutely. Plus, we don't have to do Alex's washing anymore. That's great. <laughs> but the bride is for the bridegroom. So we don't grow. We don't want to see the church grow for the Church of England's sake. We don't want to grow for any, but for the bridegroom's sake. We want to present the bride pure and spotless. The beautiful bride. That's you. Me. As the bridegroom comes to meet with us. And I just love the way John goes on here. Just going to have a look at my notes. See what I've got. Shall we keep going? Uh, The joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. Again, we've got to get the right perspective on that verse. This doesn't mean I must diminish. This doesn't mean I must become small. This doesn't mean I become nothing. That's been taught of this verse. I must become nothing because God is everything. No. I become less as he becomes greater. Probably a slightly better translation. I become less as he becomes greater. When my eldest son was six, he was about that tall. And now he's 26, he's about that tall. Has he become greater than me in in height? Yes. Have I got smaller? Sadly. (laughs) Sadly. In those 20 years. I definitely haven't got short. I may have, actually, I may have shrunk a little bit because the, the, the backbone does compact, doesn't it? But do you see what I'm trying to say? As Jesus becomes greater in our lives, it's not that we disappear. 
Our flesh life may disappear. Our sin life may disappear. All the stuff that's not right. But that who we are in Christ actually becomes fuller. And it's not that we are ever so, ever so humble. It's not that we disappear into that place where we, we diminish. No, he becomes greater. And therefore, in perspective, I am smaller. But I'm not. And that's important here. The, 31, the one who comes from above is above all, Jesus. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He he testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Here's the theme. The light of the world came to the world, but the world didn't recognize it. That's John chapter 1, isn't it? The man who has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. Wow. God gives of himself without limit. And speak, and therefore the one whom God has sent, Jesus, speaks the words of God. Where is Jesus now if you're born again? He dwells in us, therefore we speak with his authority and his words. When we let him speak through us, when we grab control, no, it's when we let him speak through us. The fa- and, and these last couple of verses are just the gospel. The Father loves the Son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. That's, that's just been said earlier on in the chapter, last week, it last week. Father loves the Son and has placed... How much? So what's missing? He's placed everything into his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Not will have, not might have, not could have, but has. Let's get over this thing. Will I be saved? Oh, I hope so. No. If you know Jesus, you are saved. And that's not pride. And it's not arrogance. It's humility to agree with God. I don't get there because I'm good enough. I don't get there because I've made it. I don't get there because I'm more intelligent than. I get there because Jesus has done it for me. I come empty-handed. Take me just as I am. I surrender all. Thank you for picking that hymn, Pam. (laughs) Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. God's wrath just means he's separated. Do you know, we do very well at separating ourselves in our culture. We become very individualized. We separate ourselves. Please, I'm not having to go at anybody. We all sit in the same seats every week, and we just talk to the same people every week. And a lot of us do. Hey, been there. I'm, I'm, I'm owning it with you. I'm not having a go. But we've separated ourselves. I had a conversation with somebody, it doesn't matter who it was, about somebody else in the church, and they said, oh, do they go to the other service? And they've been sitting behind them for the last three years or so. They've never spoken to them. And this is somebody who's quite outward. And, you know, it's not, not a shrinking violet. <laughs> They just, 
Because we do, don't we? Because, you know, it's safer. It's easier. We protect ourselves. Maybe next week I'll get you lot to sit over there and you lot come sit over here. You can all have a panic. Because it all looks wrong and it all feels wrong because we're not sitting the same. Maybe I'll lead the service from back there or something. The gospel is so simple. It is so simple, but we can, we can separate ourselves. And this is the bit at the bottom. If you reject the sun, you won't see life. And that is part of the fallen nature, is to be separate, to be. We're made to be in community. We're made to be in family. You know? If you don't come to the church weekend away because you can't, that's absolutely fine. If you come because it's not for me, it's only for the Keenies. I'm sorry, that's, that's not a reason. It's not a reason because you're part of the family. And like all families, we've got loud people and quiet people and, and excited people and go-getters and sit on their bottomers and, and all between. As every family does. But we come together. But we come together. Believe the gospel. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. What is the work that God asks us to do to believe? It says elsewhere. That's all. To believe. Now, once we have believed, we will then suddenly realize that we could. And, oh, Lord, do you want... And there's a whole load of things we can do. Good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. But the work, the first work is, is just to believe, to have faith. You are saved by grace through faith, or is it by faith through grace? I never remember which way around, but it works either way. It's his riches, his free gift, but our faith. That's the gospel. So I encourage you this morning, get the right perspective. Listen to what John the Baptist says. Don't be offended like the disciples. Get over yourselves. Sorry, I'm listening to myself as well. But get whatever it is that I forget, just get over it. It's actually not important. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Get over it. And realize that whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. And so much more. Because we have Jesus and Jesus has been given... Jesus has been given, what did it say? Memory like a mayfly. Everything. Thank you, Anne. Jesus has been given everything. So if Jesus is now in us, what do we have? Everything. Let's go into that next verse in Peter. So Jesus has everything, we have everything, therefore we have everything we need to live this godly and holy life. 2 Peter 1 verse, whatever verse it is. Yeah, do you see how it all fits together? Believe the gospel. Let's stand. I know I missed one out, but never mind. No, there is a thing. I think we do there as a demon. I think so. Hang hang on. I'm going to pray first, if that's all right. So we, we just had a discussion. We missed a song out. I'd like to say I did it deliberately. I just forgot. That's okay. Lord, help us to get over.
the stuff that offends us. Help us to get to that place, Lord, where we don't project, but we're real, authentic with each other. And we say, Lord, we say where it is. And we're real with each other because we're real with you. And we trust each other because, Jesus, you dwell in us. Lord, would you build us together? Take us, mould us. And Lord, we want to declare we are those who believe. And therefore, we are those who have eternal life. Come, revive your church again. And we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.